0: I'm James Brierton in Charlotte. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of the Carolina Weather Group. Well, as you probably know by now, we had the pleasure last year of hosting our first ever telethon. 12 hours live streaming with our friends from other big weather podcasts, including Weather Brains, Stormfront Freaks and Chaser Chat. And as you might imagine, pulling off a 12 hour long telethon to support the American Red Cross takes lots of choreographing lots of meetings, lots of producing. And what you may not know is that that entire 12 hours of programming streamed from this very HQ of the Carolina Weather Group. So whether you saw me or another Carolina Weather Group host on the screen, we were there the whole time welcoming guests behind the scenes, getting them set up, putting them on the air and making sure that you at home could see the broadcast. Well, for me, the biggest moment was something that was unexpected and the four o'clock eastern hour our friends at WeatherBrains had arranged for visits from mike bettis of the weather channel and from ken graham the director of the national weather service and we knew at some point jim Cantori, also of the weather channel was going to show up but we just didn't know exactly when and through a series of events that we probably could not replicate right now we got all three of those men live on the telethon at the same time I'm sure you've been there when your computer's doing something really important. It's saving a class project or a big work thing, or maybe you're about to get those concert tickets you've been waiting hours for. You just don't want to move. You don't want to trip over a cable. You don't want to jinx the computer. Now is not the time for the internet to go down. And that's what I did. I sat in this chair, not moving, staring at that Zoom screen going, I don't know how I got all of these people on my computer screen at the same time. But I am not going to move. And it was a great conversation. And we're so lucky that our friends at Weatherbrains are allowing us now to share that conversation with you. So whether you've already seen it or maybe you missed it, here it is, to me, one of the biggest moments from that 12-hour-long telephone, Jim Cantori, Mike Bettis, Ken Graham, and our friends from Weatherbrains. Check this out.
1: You know, we are Weather Brains is going to um you know match any donation this hour up to our annual donation budget of twelve hundred and ninety-five dollars. So if you um are thinking about donating, please come to during this hour and help us get to five thousand dollars uh total. That's what we're that's what we're shooting for uh, in this hour. We're in the process right now of um uh getting them all into the broadcast at once here. That's what we're gonna do. We got Mike Bettis. Uh, Ken and Cantori. so let's do, let's move them all in here. Thank you so much for being here. Hey,
2: good afternoon, how's everybody doing?
1: We're doing fantastic. It's been a a spectacular day uh, of raising money for the American Red Cross, and um, hopefully we're gonna hit $5,000 during this hour. Mike, we're very excited about that. Awesome, awesome. Jim, I was uh, in the process of asking a real quick question, and then, uh, so if you have a chance, then we'll, I think Kim and Rick have a couple of questions for you. Mike, join in with us here, since we got you a little early. Uh, But but Jim, you mentioned one of my favorite all-time Weather uh, Weather Channel folks, Gay Dawson. She was a fixture in those early shows, and I always thought she was just the best. Uh, Tell us a little story about Gay Dawson.
3: I mean, you know, when you when first met Gay, she's just, like, just sweet, southern, hum, humble, um, always very professional and classy. And that's how she came across on the air, too. So I, it was one of those what you see, what you get. And I think that's one of the cool things about uh, really all of our staff. And, and Mike can probably attest to this, too, is like. Everybody is who they are. (laughs) There's really no difference from the person who you you see on the air than um, really the person behind the scenes Uh, that that we're we're the same person. There's no there's no turning it up or turning it down. I mean, granted, getting up at three o'clock in the morning, you got to turn it up a little bit, but uh, we're, we're all the same people. Dennis knows he remembers those days.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: I fact, remember those as a fact, days. I <laughs> took over for you in the, the morning. You're like, getting up after I, go, after I go off ship. I'm getting ready to go to bed. So, this like, <laughs> which is, I think I prefer that way rather than getting up in the morning.
4: I hear you. Trust me. I hear you.
5: Oh, so, Jim, I have a question for you of all the Georgia. weather events, all the weather events you've reported on. Which has had the most profound effect on you professionally and personally?
3: Uh, Probably Katrina, um, simply because, you know, we were out there for so long. Back then, the news cycle was very, very long. And, you know, I also started in Florida. So I covered it when it was just coming in. And then we drove all the way to Gulfport and Biloxi to cover it up there. But to to go through something like that and to go through it with... You know, four and seventy-five of our vets are heroes. And basically put away the television and all of a sudden help out the Navy CBs in getting these heroes up to the second floor because it was breakfast hour. I mean, everyone was downstairs for breakfast. All the food was down there, all the drugs were down there. Uh, you know, you got you got guys and gals that can't move. They're they're in wheelchairs, they're invalids so that that just had a really big impact on me, and uh I'll never forget it it was It was frankly, it was very hard to leave. We spent a lot of days out there, we slept in our car, we had very, very little food and uh I mean if you guys remember back then a, a lot of you know New Orleans kind of stole the show, given the fact that there was so much media there, and you obviously had the levy failures, which was the man made disaster part of Katrina. So, uh, you know, Mississippi was always kind of the forgotten coast. But eventually, media made it there. And we got to tell the story of what was going on there. But it it was just hard to witness some of the things that I saw for the first time in my life. And you just never forgot that. And like I said, it was very hard to leave. I almost just felt like I was abandoning everybody. I can't really put it into words. It was just, it was just hard to leave. And I never forgot that. So yeah, I mean, he, he, you, we know, had you, seen you, you the day before. These, go ahead. You go, I'm sorry. Yeah, you go through these really traumatic experiences, and you think you can handle it, and you think you you know you're going to go out there. You know what your mission is. You got to broadcast, but they 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 stick with
4: you, and um, they stick with you.
2: I, if I, I'd interject and I say one of the most memorable moments for me ever watching the Weather Channel was when Jim was in was in Mississippi and I know you remember this I'm sure very clearly Jim there was a family you were interviewing and I think the the father maybe worked at the, one of the casinos or something lost his job and there was a little boy like broke down into tears um, yeah. that was tough that was tough to watch but that was reality right and that was the profound moment I've ever seen. Zoom
3: Cantori on TV before. And yours was Joplin, my friend. Um, Nothing can even compare to that. But but I know you know what I'm talking about, Mike. You see things you weren't planning on seeing, but you got to do your best to stay on mission, right?
4: And that's what you did. And that's what I did. And uh, hopefully people across the nation got to see what, what was really going on there and just how bad it was. Yep, I remember. So guys, this
5: is an incredible conversation, especially with you and just hearing your recollections of this, I'm going to welcome in somebody else for whom this event I know had a profound impact. And we're so excited to have him on the show. The director of the National Weather Service has just arrived. Ken Graham, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us today.
6: Yeah, thanks, Kim. Good to see you. And just just taking in the stories from Jim and, and the others. And you know, I just can't help but reflect being on the air during some hurricanes and talking to Jim and Hurricane Michael. Jim, if you remember. Oh Oh yeah! Remember you and I on the air? I don't know, probably 7.02 a.m. And you asked how I was feeling, and we both at the same time said we had pits in our stomach. Remember that because we knew yeah. what was going to happen. Absolutely, remember that. Yep, yep. You've done I, never I remember times. it. I'll never, I'll never
3: forget that, Ken. And that's the problem, guys. You know, when we're out there too, we do know what's going to happen. We, you know, we, we know the meteorology. So when it does happen, it's horrible. But you, you know, beforehand. Um, just how bad it's going to be. So, yeah. And then then talk about yeah
1: about Stephanie Abrams that morning because I've always thought the fact that she made that decision to to leave Mexico Beach probably influenced a lot of people. Actually, you know who you should ask that Bill is is
3: I I, know. I actually want Mike Bettis to start that story. Okay, He's going to tell you. He's going. He's going to tell you why
2: because he knows why. Um, she actually called me. Um, which she had. I, we don't. We we don't. are ships passing at night these days. We used to work a lot together. She called me. I was working in the studio, and she says, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Tell me exactly where you are again." And she's like, "I'm in Mexico Beach. I'm, we're staying at this. We're staying at this place. It's a little bit elevated, but." And I was like, "Oh, Steph, like." that gives me a really uneasy feeling. Like, I know you've been doing this for a long time and I know that if you're questioning it, like you're calling and asking what I think, then it probably tells you everything you need to know. And I remember saying, I don't think it's worth it. I think you, I think you have to leave. And I, I don't think I've ever, Said that to anybody before. I think like, Jim and I talked a little bit briefly via text when he was in um, Cedar Key, you know, earlier this summer. I was making sure he had a place to stay. He reassured me he was staying someplace safe. But I, when, when it was staff, and I was like, I don't know if you ever get out of there. Like, if you get stuck, like you're never, no one's coming for you. Like it, it's going to be a while before someone gets in there. Um, and so she finally decided. She's like, okay. And I think she probably, talk, I think she talked to you too, Jim. It was like. She made the right choice. She made the right choice. No, you, it could have been a
3: disaster. You text me and you said something to the effect was, you know, Jim, I'm really worried about Steph. And she's scared and she doesn't know what to do. And so I took it upon myself on the air to say, when we were, because we were going back and forth to each other. I said, Steph, you know what? Listen, hey, if you don't feel good down there, there's plenty of room up here in Panama City. We know we're going to be on the west side of the storm. Come on up with your crew. We, we got plenty of room up here. Let's, let's, let's broadcast together. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, guys, but there, well, we, don't, we don't go out there just to be in the world. I mean, if you don't feel safe in a location or if it's not a good time to broadcast, we're not going to broadcast. Uh, you know, I mean, Mike, Mike was mad at me when I was in, what was it, Mike, Ian, down in, uh, in Punta Gorda. And, I mean, sometimes you just get so caught up in the moment. You just don't realize, I mean, for God's sakes, you're in a 110-mile-an-hour eye wall.
2: And There's this funny, well, I will, will read re- a very funny moment because I was in the studio, Jim was out to get beat up by the hurricane, and literally the executive producers in my ear like, get him off the television like scream at him and tell him to get off the television so i'm like jim i'm begging you please like come in just for five minutes and take a break because you're getting pummeled out there like pieces of tree you're hitting him and stuff and he's just like he's in the moment right sometimes when you're in the moment like your brain doesn't function like it normally would and so like someone needed to just like say hey stop for just a second get get your breath and let's let's regroup and that and that was a
3: big moment for me because I did come in and got out of the way, and I remember that. It's like, what what good am I doing out here in this? I mean, yeah, can I take it? Sure, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to become the story. I just want to tell the story. So, you know, basically on the backside of the eye wall, let's do it smarter. We're going to do it in the parking garage. Um, I mean, that was no picnic, but it was it was definitely a lot safer uh, place to tell the story. And so thanks to Mike, thanks to Nora screaming in my ear. um, That's what we did. That's what we did.
5: I want to follow this arc of telling this story. And it's so good that we have such key communicators and a former director of the Hurricane Center, and now Weather Service Director, you can all come at this question in different ways, I think. And I'll start, um, Jim, with you. You guys and all these hurricanes that have very different societal outcomes and a lot of nuance to the way you're trying to communicate it. And you just have so much experience in the field. In your view, what helps us to make the outcomes better? How do we effectively engage the public and raise awareness about preparing and responding? How do you think that that is most effectively done in your experience?
3: You know, uh, I think one of the best things that we've ever done from from a network standpoint is the first one I saw of it, and several of the OCMs have done on the Weather Channel is show the storm surge animation in IMR, where Greg Postel was the guy I'm I'm referencing, and he's standing, you know, talking about how the water comes up, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a single story home and it's at the top of the roof line. And as a matter of fact, Ken, you remember that because you even said to me, Cantori, that was the best thing to do for storm surge that I've ever seen. So, and I agree. I mean, that 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 kind of image, here's what your house will look like if you stay. Here's, you know, here's what it may look like. Um, think about that. Think about where are you going to go? You're going to sit on your roof. You're going to be in your attic. You got an ax. You got a chainsaw. Whatever it is, those, those kind of images, I think. And that kind of technology that we have at our hands today, Kim, is really great for what we are trying to do and get people out of harm's way. It's not going to get everybody out, okay, but it's going to definitely help. And I
4: think that really helped.
5: Absolutely. And Mike and Ken would love your thoughts on this too. What do you think being really effective for helping to inspire action?
2: Um, I would say, you know, this, the storm search thing is, I think is really, um, is really important. And and the thing that we've done, at least broadcast wise in the last couple of years, is we put these unmanned cameras, um, on telephone poles, power poles, whatever it may be. And it literally in real time will show you the storm coming in. And, And that was very effective. I think during hurricane Ian, during, um, Hurricane Adalia, uh, you know, this summer as well, but Hurricane Ian in Fort Myers Beach. And you could just see the storm surge coming up and up and up and literally going through buildings. Stuff is flowing down the street. And I think when people see that, they're like, oh man, like literally the ocean is in Fort Myers Beach right now and stuff is being churned up, you know, like a snowblower. And I think those kind of very poignant um, images that are happening in real time, I think, I, I think, anymore because YouTube, whatever, we've, we've been inundated over the last 10 or 15 years by a million tornado videos or extreme weather, right? Like it really takes something to get people's attention, right? I think these live storm surge cameras um, really do a good job at pointing out the dangers of storm surge in particular. So I think that's one thing that's been very effective for us broadcast wise to show to get people's um, awareness up and the understanding of what storm surge is
6: yeah kim can you hear me okay yeah you know it's 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 interesting because you know we've all of us have talked about this for so many years about how to get the information to people and they have to see it i mean they really they they really have to feel it and experience it and that's why the storm surge you know you know simulation was so powerful but we're we're going to take it to the next level in the weather service i mean we're really looking at you know, to, to really go into um, in the depth of those vulnerable communities and, and see who they're listening to and who they trust so we're, we're we're experimenting with a few things like up in Alaska with the University of Alaska Fairbanks, where we're going to be training local people to be meteorologists and hydrologists and scientists and actually giving them the equipment they need. and they're, they're going to be in those communities that already trust them. We're going to try it in uh, several different tribal locations as well and, and get members of those uh, those communities trained and in those communities where, where they're trusted. and so we're we're going to try to take that to the next level and, and really try to be you know, more more nimble, flexible, mobile I in the weather service in some of these vulnerable communities. And we know who's losing their lives. It's the, it's the elderly. And we all, how many times do we all say, you know, if you, you need to have a plan, you need to have, you know, you need to have supplies. If you're told to leave, you need to do it. A lot of the people we're talking to don't even know where the next meal is going to come from. So we, we, have, we have we have to really start thinking about who's actually losing their lives in, in these storms and, and thinking about how to really reach them um, more than ever in, in the communities. We're talking about revamping our whole ambassador program, the no ambassador program with the weather service, yeah, you have storm ready. Um, how do we really activate ambassadors in those communities? How do we activate churches? There's probably there's incredible amount of people that only will listen to their 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 priests or their pastor or whatever it, it may be and how do we get them trained as a a big amplifier of the message so we're working really hard to really revamp our outreach program to really start getting into these vulnerable communities
7: That's, that's great. Great great, uh, great information, Ken. Appreciate that. Jim, I know you can't, I wish you could stay here with us all afternoon, but I think you've got to go here. I did want to catch you, though. I mean, this is a, a telethon for the American Red Cross, and and we've crossed paths. I've crossed paths with Mike out in the field after disasters, and we see the Red Cross out there. I mean, talk about how important the role of the Red Cross is. Organizations like the Red Cross, Salvation Army, others, how important are they in the disaster response from what you've seen out on the field
3: it's 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 like okay somebody's here to help us um you know you guys know you go through the disaster there's the shock of it the day after um there starts to be cleanup. you know roads are starting to get cleared out by day two and then day three here comes the humanitarian effort and the red cross salvation army church groups even people from outside that are watching this happening and go down you know a lot of them on our air are coming in, which, you know, we try not to have people do because there's got to be some kind of organization to it. But but you see that, that humanitarian effort come in, especially by day three. Um, and, and knowing, you know, where the Red Cross is, where they're setting up shop, where the Salvation Army is, where they're setting up shop, all, all these groups, uh, it's just absolutely huge. So they're an integral part of what we do. And uh, we are happy to be side by side with them, you know, going through the storm and, and going through the mission. So, you know, we were always on air with them to lend a hand. We're always talking to them.
1: Jim, uh, it's, we're just so thrilled that you joined us today. You've really added to our hour. We thank you, we thank Phil Johnson for getting you on here. Uh, anything else you want to add before you go and attend to your yes? Yeah, what did you say? You said you would match any donation during the hour? That's right. Uh, WeatherBrains is going to match any donation during the hour up to our total annual budget of twelve hundred and ninety-five dollars. Well, put me down for five hundred, Bill. How's oh that? my goodness, that's great, Jim. Right. Thank you great. so much. My pleasure. Sure that, con- con- congratulations to you on on your fabulous career, and thank you for you know being uh, an integral part of almost every American's household. Always wouldn't change a thing. Come back see it's us sometime soon. Seriously, it
3: really is an honor to do what I do. Yeah. I'm very proud to wake up every day. So that's awesome.
1: Well, thank you, Jim. Stick around if you can, but we'd love to, but go take care of your guests if you need to. Thanks, buddy. I do. So thanks, everybody. Bye. All right. God bless. Ken Graham, you've been in your role now for 18 months. A lot of people were really excited when you came into this role. Share some insights on the challenges and achievements that you think you've experienced so far in this role, and how do you see those experiences shaping the future of the National Weather Service?
6: You know, we've, we've talked about it before on the show and, and you know, it's just really, you know, we've got to change. We have to transform our agency. And we just had an incredible week with all our leadership that came into to town here in Silver Spring, Maryland, where we talked about how to be able to do that. You know, you think about I already mentioned, you know, how, how are we going to get in these vulnerable communities? We need to do things differently. We've been so um, plugged into the wall, so to speak, at our offices, uh, and which limits where we can go. So we're, we've got some big decisions we're, we're really looking at going forward in, in the Weather Service, and they're coming. And, 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 I, and I think you know we, we actually have some of the earliest look at what our next operations model could be. And you know, and, it, and it, the first peak of it is looking at really being eye to eye in some of these emergency operations centers. They need they need our help more than ever. I mean, they they're getting bombarded with so much information left and right. They don't know which way's up, and it makes a it makes it really tough to make some of these decisions. So, if you're an elected official or emergency manager, you, you really need us eye to eye there to help with those decisions. If so we can give another six hours on a timeline. 12 hours. I had a conversation with the state of California just a couple of weeks ago with the International Association of Emergency Managers. And they said 12 hours on a timeline, even six is an eternity for them. So we have to be able to, to be there um, in those emergency operations centers helping with these decisions. And we're doing it. I mean, we've got the early look at an operations model, um, which is absolutely amazing. We're, we're really trying to look at some, uh, and, and Rick, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of culture in our agency that we, we're really holding on to uh, the way we've done things in the past. And Bill, we have a 40 year old operations model in the National Weather Service. And we're looking at how to do it differently, how to how to be more mobile, um, being able to deploy into emergency operations centers. And, and, and think of this for a second, it's amazing. We've already hired uh, the first meteorologist to be in the White House. We, we don't need, you know, we don't need, misinformation there when to really the, the real scoop i'm um, getting to the president we've we're hiring california texas new york city and the state of virginia getting our folks into those operation centers uh, to be able to get the information right to the decision makers we've got to do that because it speeds things up that's how you save lives and, and you go forward um I, I did want to say you know kim kim you know this I, we've got to build a better business case for the national weather service We're You know, it's interesting. We're the biggest bargain in government. I don't know if you knew that, Bill. We're $4 per American per year. That's what it takes to run the National Weather Service. And and we bring back trillions into the, the GNP of this country. So we are absolutely looking at trying to make a business case for when, you know, not just us every day and the forecasts and the warnings and. Space weather, tsunamis, tornadoes, hurricanes, we've talked here, flooding, uh, you name it, fires. I mean, all of that is increasing in frequency and increasing in, in, in strength. So we've gotta be able to, uh, to really rethink how we do business. So it's challenging. It's not just equipment, it's not just technology, but it's also culture change. So uh, we're tackling it head on, Bill. We're gonna transform this agency and we're well underway. I've
1: always said that it is definitely the best, uh, the best bargain in the federal budget, for sure. Rick Smith, you've got a question for Mike.
7: Yeah, just, uh, Mike, just kind of thinking we're going to go back and forth here. But, I mean, you've had a long career in, in meteorology and television, uh, lots of experience storm chasing. Talk about what's, what's been the most defining moment in that for you. You. Um, whether you? Whether you're out chasing, reporting in the field or whatever, uh, what's been the most defining moment and how has that
2: influenced or changed your approach to reporting on severe weather? Um, you know, three three moments stick out for me in, in my career, maybe one above the rest, but Katrina, like Jim Cantore had mentioned, it was really one of those moments where you saw this extreme power of a hurricane and the, the longevity of it and the number of people that affected and had never really seen that kind of devastation before in person like that um and that really that really struck me when it came to covering hurricanes i kind of i kind of look at i categorize things right i think about severe season i think about tornadoes i think about hurricanes i think about winter what that's kind of how i categorize things in my mind um and the other two, um, Joplin, the Joplin tornado and and the El Reno tornado um, in 2013. Um, now, the Joplin, the Joplin tornado for me, I think, truly changed how I began to broadcast after that, because in so many instances, when it comes to tornadoes, you know, we're generally there. After the fact, right? we usually the tornado hits, and then you're there like the next day, so to speak, generally speaking. um and we happened to be chasing that storm that day. Um, and we went back and kind of did the uh, reanalysis of it all, and we ended up being in Joplin literally nine minutes after the tornado struck, right? and it was all incredibly fresh um and chaotic, and you know, yeah I I saw things that I had never seen before, nor do I ever want to see again. Um, and you just when you're in that moment, it, it's just like way different than when you are there a day later. And all that stuff is done, like all of the recovery um, it, you know, is it's mostly done at that point. You're just looking at damage and showing people that and then you're spewing out stats. This many people went to the hospital or this many people ended up perishing in the storm. Um, for me, just having been there and seeing literally like the carnage with my own two eyes as it was happening was really traumatic, honestly. Um, and I, I think a lot of people that, that watch the weather channel are probably familiar with this moment where I kind of broke down on air and I just like it was hard to handle. Um, and and that someone just asked me recently, like, what was that moment like? Like what what happened in that moment? And I and I I recall the moment that um, what what happened is that we all remember there was the super outbreak had happened less than a month before that, right? And when I when I was reporting from Joplin, um, it, I kind of ha- had this moment where I turned and I, I was looking. We're kind of on this little bit of a hill, and so you could have a really big view of. The landscape, right? And everything's kind of mowed down. Trees are gone, and everything. and as I was looking out, it took me back to Paul Goodlobe was reporting in Tuscaloosa after the super outbreak, um, and it was you know like four dozen people had died in that tornado. And as I looked out over Joplin that evening, and I saw how much of the city had been damaged, I, I just this moment popped in my head of Paul Goodloe in Tuscaloosa, and I thought, oh my gosh. This is, and I couldn't say it on air, but I was like, this is way worse than Tuscaloosa. And at that moment, I was like, that means many, many more people have died. And it just kind of triggered in my brain. And I just kind of broke down at the moment. Um, and then what kind of snapped me out of it was a gentleman that had come to me. He's like, hey. Can you help me out? Like my neighbor's missing. Can you help me look for him? So it was then like, okay, my brain then reengaged, and it's like, okay, there's still active search and rescue ongoing here. Can we help this guy find his neighbor? Um, so anyway, that it was it was all these kind of very fast moving things that were happening, and the rawness of it all. Probably to me, Joplin um, was the one moment for me that stands out more than any, and it and how it changed the way I broadcast is um, I. I found myself having a lot more empathy for victims of natural disasters and what they go through because you don't, you know, generally speaking, we don't know what they go through. In that moment, it's an incredibly terrifying moment for them. Um, and to be there to witness that and the rawness of that and the and literally the, the gore of it, um, it, it was very um, life-changing for me. I think a lot of us
7: kind of get chills when you're talking about that because we remember seeing that live or or after the fact. And I can't imagine that. Um, obviously that, I mean, that has a long lasting impact. Jim talked about it earlier. How you, these things just don't go away. And you know, we're scientists, we're, we're meteorologists, but but we're people too. So I know I know that the, the broadcast industry thinks about that a lot. Ken, um, the Weather Service is thinking about that more now. I mean, you, you've been very supportive of efforts that, that i been working on other uh, as part of a large team been working on talk about uh, you're, you're all about taking care of the people in the weather service and that includes the mental health aspect that includes the kind of the critical incident stress side of that can you talk a little bit about you know what we're doing to kind of take better care of the, the mental health side of things in the weather service
6: yeah, Rick. It's a topic that you know a lot of people don't don't think about. I mean, listen to the stories that that Mike just told and others, and you know, you you see these things and you look back at our careers. You've seen some things, Rick, and you know, I I, I remember some scenes in you know Hurricane Katrina that that will never go away. I mean, just you know, you're you know you're, you're taking care of folks and the best that you can are employees and and you know, there's there's still bodies in the lake and you know, two people at the office lost their moms. And Hurricane Katrina, and to see what they were going through, and and both of them were, you know, talking basically like, you know, just just keep me busy because um, I, I just need to focus. I, I need this. There was significant mental health issues after these big events, and. And, you know, just watching um, people at the at the New Orleans office, just in, in shock, basically, absolutely in shock. You know, they don't know if their house is there or not. Um, you see this over and over. So our folks see a lot of things and, you know, you get the warning out and, and you, all that science, right, Rick? All that science, you get an early warning out and you're like, wow, you know, I think I provided early warning, but then you start hearing over the radio that there's loss of life and, and, it's, and it's really tough on folks. So at the Weather Service, we, we really take that serious. And And when I got the job, You know, it was definitely a no brainer. I mean, look, it's it's everybody um, realizes you got to have people first. got to take care of our people. And so we have um, mental health experts that, that can go out to offices after big events and actually talk to people. And uh, we had an, an incredible um, person that was uh, able to, to do that. And she just moved on to a different job and we were actually interviewing for the next person. We take it so serious and we take it so serious. We're going to do something extra coming up. We're going to have the person that's able to go to our offices to talk to people um, after these big events from a mental health standpoint. Uh, but we're actually uh Going to do more than that. We're actually got a contract that we're 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 doing to actually have a a significant, uh, almost like a strike team of mental health experts that that can go out to offices after these big events, Rick. Because people need it. It's tough on folks. They they lose their their loved ones. They they can lose their uh, property, and and just the stunning nature of going through that is, is significant. So we take it serious, and it's it's something that we have to talk about because people don't think of the actual meteorologists themselves.
4: You're on television, whether
6: you're in the Weather Service, you go through some pretty traumatic events and, and uh, you're going to be the best one. So we need to take care of ourselves in those big events. Thank you for saying that,
1: Ken. That is so important. And we were talking earlier to one of the directors from the Red Cross, and they said that that was a need for volunteers that they have because they need mental health volunteers. Uh, to go in with them after these disasters and to make a difference. And Saturdays are extremely valuable to everyone and for you guys to take time out of your Saturday to spend with us today in this effort is so appreciated. Um, we we just thank you so, so much. And I have really good news because we've raised $3,859. That's $1,214 in this hour. We're gonna match that dollar for dollar and um, that's gonna put us over um, 5,000, yes. I think, will it? Or it'll be really, yeah, really right close. Can. We'll have an update on that in just a minute. But Mike Bettis, thank you so much. Uh, thank. Jim Forrest and Ken Graham, thank you for the incredible work you're doing at the Weather Service. We watch uh, every move you make and you amaze us.
0: That's just a small part of what made our WeatherPod's Disaster Relief Telethon such a success. Thanks to all of our special guests, our co-hosts, and to you at home who helped us raise over $7,000 for the American Red Cross and their disaster relief efforts. You can still donate. The link right now in the description wherever you're watching or listening this week. I'm James Briarton, Thanks so much for spending time with us. We'll see you again next week for more from the Carolina Weather Group. Be well.